Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts, and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values, and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's show. I hope you are well. This episode marks the start of an entire series dedicated to sustainability. And sustainability is something that I think is becoming more and more talked about. We've had the G7 summit recently here in the UK along with an event called COP26, which uh, you'll hear a little bit more about in next week's show. Um, And so sustainability, climate change, um, ESG, are very high on the political agenda, very high on the agenda for the family businesses that I'm speaking to. And so it makes sense to have a series dedicated to the topic of sustainability, Um, On today's show, we hear from Andrew Bryson, who works with Family Business Network International, which is an international uh, membership organization dedicated to helping family-owned businesses. The IFB, who support the show, are the UK chapter of the FBN International Network. So I recommend checking them out. There's links in the show notes to allow you to find out a little bit more about the work that they're doing, and particularly all the stuff that we talk about on today's show there's links in the show notes so if you head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash episodes there is firstly a list of all the previous episodes so if you've missed them you can catch up on them but also there'll be a link to this show and uh, the show notes for you to find all the uh, stuff that we talk about today Uh, while you're there as well if you are uh, a recent listener to the show uh, you may not know that there are playlists that are dedicated to various different topics that i know again are regular conversation pieces for family businesses so things like governance how to start the governance process there's an entire playlist there that is dedicated to governance another one for succession another one for next gen and lastly there is one for interviews with other family businesses where uh, you get to hear what they're up to and perhaps learn from um, peers in that way so again if you head to fanbizpodcast forward slash episodes there's a handy button to click to get to all of the different playlists that are there so enjoy those before i move to the interview with andrew again i just want to say a big thank you for those that have been supporting the show it is an entirely self-funded exercise and so if you did want to support the work that i'm doing if you find it useful and want to say thanks by 
uh, making a one-off donation via buy me a coffee again at the fanbiz podcast website there are links there to allow you to do that if you want more people to find out about the show you can either share it directly with them you can tag me on social media if you're sharing it there and also leaving reviews on the podcast platform that you listen to the show on also helps other people to find the show so anything you can do to help support is very much appreciated and i hope you're enjoying the content that i'm bringing you including this new series based on sustainability so over the next 10 weeks or so we are going to be looking at this topic talking to organizations like fbni who have a partnership with the un um, next week's show is with fiona graham from the ifb and then we have interviews with lots of different family businesses of different shapes and sizes on what they've been doing to help implement um, their sustainable goals into their businesses so uh, really excited to bring you the series and i hope you enjoy it that is enough of me prattling on. Let me uh, hand over to the interview with Andrew. This week, we are talking about family business for sustainable development, and in particular, a partnership between Family Business Network International and the UN. And I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Andrew Bryson on today's show. Um, Andrew is the Head of Business Transformation at the Family Business Network International, and uh, we are going to be, as I say, discussing the partnership that they forged with um, the UN. But firstly, Andrew, welcome to the show. Great. No, thank you for having me, Russ. And before we get into the detail, um, perhaps if you could give our audience a bit of background uh, as to your role, um, your career today, and how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Sure. Great. Love to. So I, as you mentioned, am the head of business transformation at Family Business Network International. And so basically that means I focus on the two, two key areas that we see as sort of driving change in the family business world. One is sustainability um, and the other one is digitalization. And so the, and this is something that came out recently in um, some research has been done by PwC and some others in terms of two big areas that family business really need to focus on making progress going forward and in some ways sort of need to catch up um, uh, with more with publicly listed companies. So um, this role is actually somewhat of a new role. I've actually been working with Family Business Network um, in the sustainability space for the last seven or so years. Um, in an advisory capacity and um, with the launch of our new digital platform and some other pieces that came together, this, this role was created. So I'm excited to be doing it. Um, I've been sort of playing in the space on, on both sides for quite a while. I've on the, the digital side, I actually ran a startup for quite a few years and also um, did quite a bit digitalization work in the agency world um, at Saatchi and Saatchi, but then also did sustainability consulting for years and um, also connected to some work at Saatchi and Saatchi, but then um, also on my own as well. So it's a unique combination. It's one that's that's worked well and, um, and one that we've sort of seen a lot of interest around and more and more Interestingly enough, the sustainability worlds and the, the, the role of digitalization are coming together as one as a lot of the issues start to intersect in, in new ways. Before, again, we get into the sort of detail around uh, the partnership that you've forged, I think a, a good starting point as well would be for our audience to hear a little bit more about the work that 
Family Business Network International do? I mean, the, the podcast is supported by the Institute for Family Business, which is the UK chapter of FBN. Um, but it might be useful for our audience to hear a little bit more uh, about the sort of global role that FBN play. Great. Yeah, no, I'd love to share a little bit. So yeah, FBN has been around for just over 30 years. We celebrated our 30th anniversary a couple of years back. And currently there's 32 chapters across the globe, which represents 65 countries. And in terms of a member base, that represents about a little over 4,000 business owning owning families. Um, And then amongst those families, we have about 11, a little, I think about 11 and a half or a little more than that thousand senior gens um, represented in the network and then six close to six and a half thousand next gens Um, and then so collectively as a network for example this last year we put on over 2,000 activities both online and offline as you can imagine last year it was mostly (laughs) online Um, but um, but we're also you know very well known for the the summits the global summits that we put on every year that's all, that are hosted by one of our member associations in a, in a different location on the globe, as well as the um, next gen summits that we put on every year, also in a different global location every year. But um, but yeah, so from our perspective, we really look as ourselves as being connectors in terms of both for our members, but also for the, the chapters and play a role in supporting them in their work, providing our members with uh, resources and, and different ways to kind of connect and learn with each other. And then ultimately also, I think, you know, creating that safe space across the globe where members can can share their experiences and, and really sort of dive into the what makes family business and, and business families so unique. What we'll do in the show notes as well is put a link up to the FBN uh, website where people can um, firstly find out uh, much more about the work that you do but also there are good links on there for the main topic that we're going to discuss so we'll make sure they're all linked up in the show notes as well Um, and that leads us into kind of today's topic which is uh, sustainability and this show is the first in a series of episodes dedicated to the topic of sustainability and it, it seems to be something that is in more and more of the headlines, more and more focus on sustainability in ESG kind of across the board um, in terms of businesses and, and external investors. But I think a good starting point would be to define what we mean by sustainability, because it is something that is talked about an awful lot, but I'm not sure necessarily that it's been um defined truly when people are just writing headlines about it. Um, So uh, perhaps you could give us uh, your view on on what do we mean when we're talking about sustainability? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, because it is one of those interesting things. And I think as our journey began um, at uh, at the Family Business Network um, almost eight years ago now, or actually even more than that, if you go back to the very beginning of our first pledge, um, that's sort of where we we first tried to define it um, because certainly it's a word that means everything or nothing, depending on who you are and where you sit. Um, and so, so in, and for a lot of people, it could be narrowly defined as something just sort of green initiatives or something along those lines or environmental initiatives. So when we really looked at it initially, um, we, um, we really wanted to make sure we took a broad view of it, but also one that was unique to family business in a way. So, 
in 2011 at our Singapore conference, we actually put forth our first pledge um, called a sustainable future, where we defined sustainability really in sort of the four, four key areas. One was people um, and really sort of making sure that we put the people at the center of everything we do, because um, that's really important, both sort of obviously in a business context, but also just, I think, just to set that stage that that's where we were leading from. Um, the environment obviously being a part of it as well. Um, social and community being another part of it uh, for us, but also the other sort of key pillar for us was future generations and really um, defining that and making sure that people understood that that's, that's what drives us. That's why it's important to us. Um, and, it's, and it's something that um, is often talked about in the context of, of family business as well. You know, a lot of our members like to say, well, we're inherently sustainable because we focus on, the, on future generations and issues that, that connect with them. And I think, well, from a values perspective, that may be true. Certainly from a performance pers per perspective is something that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more later on. But mm -hmm. I, it's really, I think, an interesting um, conversation in terms of sort of where future, how, how, where and how future gens fit into the equation on the whole thing. And then over, the, over time, as we sort of did more and more sustainability work um, within the network and heard back more from our members and others, I think that definition is, has gotten more focused over time. And we revisited it in um, the new pledge that we recently put out with the UN division we're working with, UNCTAD, and really just, I think, tried to hone it a little bit more. So focused on a few different concepts and tried to dig in and put, I think, some qualifiers on a little bit. So now it's the four areas have shifted a little bit, but they encompass the same thing. So now for us, it's really about this idea of sustainable growth. So how do you sort of, you know, promote and model business practices that enable long-term long um, sustainable, both economic growth, but long-term value creation, environmental stewardship. So not just um, thinking about the environment sort of passively, but sort of taking more of a steward role to it. Social inclusion to really sort of, I think, take a, a broader perspective to, on things in terms of communities and make sure that we're focusing on not just sort of local work, but, you know, the big issues that are obviously being talked about today in terms of gender equality, diversity, you know, decent work, but also that uh, future generations are a part of that as well, that conversation. And then good governance, which has always been probably the one area of sustainability that family business has always probably um, been ahead of the game in terms of a lot of other businesses. But um, but something that we think is they're catching up with us fast and a lot of work needs to be done if we kind of want to keep maintaining um, what has historically been a leadership place uh, for our community. Yeah. And um, you mentioned in uh, the introduction around your sort of two core areas of um, specialism, di digitalization and sustainability, and the fact that they are um, on, as you mentioned, reports from people at PwC, and I think the, uh, KPMG have done something similar um, as well. Mm -hmm. They do tend to be recurring themes where family businesses perhaps um, can um, benefit from, from some additional focus or some additional progress towards those. But what do you think it is that's behind the reasoning as to why those two topics seem to be uh, most popular as the, the areas that require a bit more focus? Well, I think, you know, on the sustainability one, it's, it's interesting because I think uh, part of it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. There's this 
feeling amongst family business that it's just sort of inherent to what we do. So I'm not, and feeling like, well, I'm not sure that there's anything to be gained out of us having to start reporting on things or, or whatnot that, um, but I think the data is starting to show in studies done by Oxford and others that that might not be true, that the perceived view of how family businesses are doing aren't matching up with the data-driven analysis of it. But then again, there's really no good data out there because all of all the only data that's available is on publicly listed firms. And that's why we're really trying to get more you know, privately held family firms to start reporting on what they're doing, because that's the only way we're going to be able to build a real database and truly understand where we all stand. And to be honest, have the ability to either, you know, be able to show uh, backed up by data that that we are, you know, leading the way or to also be able to, I think, realistically look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, well, actually, we have work to do here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a big driver there. And then on the, the digital side, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that, um, you know, particularly if maybe if it's not a professionally managed company, that it's more senior gens running the company. And while many of them, I think, sort of get the importance of digital, they're not necessarily digital natives or they're not digital natives because they weren't they weren't born into that world. And so sometimes it's just it's hard to kind of get your head around how much that's a driver in business these days if you don't see how much it is a driver in society. And how much? So I think we're starting to see a change with that. You know, particularly more with more next gens being on board and them having a, a bigger voice in the businesses. But but it's definitely an area where you know it's. I think there's a lot of work to be done, and you know, in the end, there's so much opportunity there that it's really. I think both with sustainability and digitalization, the the key mind shift that we need to start seeing are members make and family businesses in general make is start looking these as, at these as opportunities and not challenges that are just going to be a cost center for them. That mm-hmm. they're actually huge opportunities for innovation and huge opportunities to really rethink your business and rethink what, how you do things and your processes and, and everything connected to it, but really start see that they can, they can drive innovation, they can drive R&D, but, and then they can also save money significantly in all sorts of areas. And so that's, that's where we're hoping uh, to help, you know, play a role in guiding the conversation is really the shift from framing, framing these as, you know, challenges and costs to, you know, opportunities and, uh, and more profits, which is yeah. I think what we all want. And I think as well, that's an important um, element to, to pick up on is that this isn't at the expense of as you said, one of the the areas is economic growth and sustainable growth. So this isn't at the expense of that. That is sustainable growth and economic growth centered around the, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, as you say, the opportunities that family businesses face in, in terms of how they uh, approach and engage with the sustainability um, agenda. And presumably the work that you've been doing with the um, UN around uh, this sustainability pledge and the the partnership that you've developed there is to try and help family businesses along that journey because it can be a tricky area to go well okay we're we're going to discuss sustainability at the next board meeting or family council or family assembly because it's such a broad topic sometimes it's quite hard to know 
<laughs> where where do we actually start? What can you say to, to families that are listening to, to this now that might be thinking, well, yeah, well, we thought we were doing it, but now maybe we're not. But how do we know? And how, how do we start? And, you know, what tips can we provide for them if they're in that position? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's the one that we, I think, we're, we're, const- we're all sort of constantly facing and that we hear from a lot from our members is, it all sounds good, but where do I get started? And so, and I think that that goes back to the very beginning of the sustainability work that we did at, at FBN, sort of coming out of the pledge. Um, the very first pledge was, okay, this is nice. It's words on a paper. I've signed it. What do I do next? And so that's where we first founded the Plaris Initiative, which was our sustainability initiative, which was really about giving family businesses tools or business families tools to get started and and really give them some different ways into the conversation. So um, as you mentioned, there's some resources on our website. So there's a whole series of uh, toolkits and guides that we put together, both, you know, looking at it from um, a business perspective, but even we even did um, a guidebook on family conversations on sustainability. So if you're a next gen trying to figure out how do I, how the heck do I get this conversation started, we, we put together a guide on that. Um, the very first guide to Polaris was more about a sort of step-by-step approach to getting the conversation going within the business. And then the, the toolkits over the years, we have quite a few, have lots of different, I think, examples and tools, but more importantly, they have great cases from across the network. And we, we know that that is a really important way to get started uh, and a really important learning tool. So we've probably gathered over 40 cases now um, from across the globe um, that are in the various publications and encourage people to, to download them and look at them. And, and one of the things that we tried to do with the cases was actually not make them sort of generic sustainability overviews from the, from the business perspective, but focus on a specific topic. So here's a company that uh, made huge strides in reducing um, the amount of paper they were using, or here's a here's a one that really focused on doing some work in their community, but one that made sense in terms of their business. So we tried to make sure that the examples were practical um, and that really were focused. So they weren't overwhelming, like, well, you know, here's our six pillars of sustainability and all of, you know, and here's what we do. It's more like, no, this is what we actually went out and did, and here's how we did it. Uh-huh. So um, I think those are a great place to get started, either from an inspirational perspective or even to sort of dig in on another level. Um, but you know, as you mentioned too, I think one of with our UN partnership, what we tried to do was also, as we started talking with them, one of the things that we wanted to do was refresh the pledge because it had been 10 years. And so that was the, the, the focus of the new pledge that we just released. And also shifted from being the first pledge was one that was signed by the FBN International Board. But the new pledge is something that anyone can sign, whether they work at a family business, they're in a business family, or even they're just interested in the topic of family business, because really, we wanted to make it something that people, um, anyone that sort of wanted to stand up and, and sort of be counted could do that. Um, and once you've signed it, your name goes on the official UN website and along with the name of, uh, you know, whatever your affiliation is. Um, and so that was one thing in terms of having people the ability to sort of step forward and be transparent about the fact that they wanted to start on the journey. And that's, I think, the thing with the pledge is we're not we don't expect everyone to do everything at once, but really the first step is really um, to show that that this is something you're committed to and that you really want to sort of publicly state that, yes, I want to do it. 
Um, and then the indicators that we've worked on with them are really trying to combine more sort of very basic traditional ESG indicators on reporting on sort of, you know, on governance issues, environment issues, sustainability, uh, societal issues. But also we put in a few, uh, uh, there's 33 sort of core indicators that cover the sort of general ESG topics. And there's nine questions that are specific to family business uh -huh. and more around sort of family business governance. So the goal was that these questions are a good place to get started because they're sort of core to what a lot of businesses report on. And, you know, you may not be able to answer all the questions in the indicators, but they give you a sense of what you probably should be looking at um, and give you, I think, a good way to sort of think about how to get started. But also on the family business side to, you know, make sure that you, you time, take the time to make sure that you're active in terms of, you know, basic questions around, do you have a family constitution or um, questions about setting up a family council? So things that, that we know um, lead to longevity and family businesses themselves. So, um, the, and then going forward, um, we're also a big part of what we're going to be doing with UN is capacity development. So developing specific programs, um, not just for FBN members, for any family business that wants to get involved and, uh, and really sort of dig into these issues on another level, or just ask that question, you know, where do I get started? You know, can you help me? point me in the right direction and, and create a, a community of learning around that, that others, uh, that they can tap into their peers more, but also, um, you know, get guidance from experts at the UN and other places in terms of where to get started. Yeah. And again, one of the benefits of having an international organization like FBN um, driving this with uh, the UN is um, family businesses are obviously collectively unique uh, in the sense that they're all individual businesses, they've got individual personalities within them. And uh, I talk a lot about the common challenges that family businesses face and if sustainability uh, and adopting the pledge and, and progressing towards that is one of them. The benefit of having somebody like FBN um, in your corner, if you like, is that you do have access to people with the expertise you have got case studies that you can share that will highlight to people perhaps how easy it can be also to get started because you say there's all these different indicators but it's not not to 100 in like two seconds is it it's more about let's look at these let's understand where we are against them now let's look at as a family where do we want to be against these indicators and then start working towards them. And the way it's all laid out and, and positioned for families, again, we'll link this up in the show notes, but the way that it's um, laid out for people makes it pretty straightforward to follow and to measure where you are now and decide where you want to be going um, forward on it. Um, and also, I don't think um, we've, potentially got the time to go into all 17 of the sustainable development goals, but there are these SDGs as they're being referred to that have been agreed at a UN level as a, a society, things that we can all be doing in order to help create a more sustainable planet and a, a nicer place for us all to live. And that's entwined within what the work you're doing on sustainability as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. So the indicators themselves are actually mapped directly to the SDGs. Because And so one of the things we'd love to do down the road is, you know, if we can get more people to um, 
report on the indicators is we could also really start truly quantifying as a community of family business owners of the impact that we're having on the world and also the progress that we're making to um, towards uh, you know the, the, the huge contributions that, that we know family businesses are already making towards achieving the sustainable development goals. But we just don't have the numbers to back us up. So that's another sort of hope of the project. Um, it may be a little ways off, but you know I think if we can start getting some traction, we could really um, start better understanding that story, but also hopefully identify areas where maybe um, there's places where family businesses could step in and and, um, and fill the gap or do even more where maybe um, where things are lagging. Because I think the UN and in particular our partnership UNCTAD, um, our partner UNCTAD within the UN recognized early on that, you know, achieving things like the SDGs just are on the, the large scale that they're looking to are just not possible if you don't get the family business community involved because uh -huh. we represent such a huge part of you know global GDP and global employment numbers, um, and and really just the pure sort of representation of all companies on the planet. You know, uh, some figures say that you know family businesses rep up to two, represent up to two thirds of companies that exist. So certainly, if you're going to get the private sector behind it, it's nice to have the big, well-known multinationals sort of there. But ultimately, if you really want to drive um, impacts and sort of creates, uh, I think, real progress towards these goals. You know, family family businesses and, and business families as their owners are essential um, elements of, of achieving um, any part of success uh, on that journey. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, it seems like a good time now to, to dig into some of the opportunities that exist um, around uh, the adoption of um, perhaps the, the SDGs or, or the pledging. What do you see or what are you seeing from your members as the opportunities that they're utilising as a result of the work that uh, they're doing towards sustainability? I think we're seeing, you know, quite a few com uh, of our members um, sort of using sustainability as a lens to sort of think about the long-term sort of viability and, and, uh, uh of their business and, and also manage risk in a way. Um, but so I think we've seen some of our members reinvent themselves um, entirely. So, and, and it's interesting in terms of the drivers that have happened. So for example, um, one of our members in China, um, they, um, you know, the, the father was running a very successful crystal company. Um, it was doing well, but, you know, creating crystal is a very polluting industry. And, and the father saw it as well and was trying, struggling to try and figure out how do I sort of reinvent myself? Um, and, and basically the, his daughter who he wanted to take over the business, I'm telling you right now, if we're still in the crystal industry, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, it's just, it's not, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't sort of agree with its environmental footprints and, and that was a big motivator for him to be like, okay, well, let's make the change. And so then together they really sort of thought about, well, what, you know, what are we doing? How could we sort of leverage that into a more sustainable industry? And then, so they basically transitioned the whole company into um, basically making LED lights, um, sort of using some of the manufacturing pieces that they had around crystal to sort of to change things around and got into the LED light industry and are now doing things connected with solar and all sorts of other things. So, wow. you know, for them, it was really a journey that they went on together. Um, and the business is much bigger, I think, and more profitable than it was when it was just a crystal business. Uh -huh. So 
you know, it's uh, just one example, but I think we've seen a lot of those in the network. Um, and then also in just sort of some of the more, uh, some of our, our more established members, just ways, a lot of them have used it as a sort of way to think of differently about different markets. So, um, for example, um, Bell, who makes uh, Laughing Cow Cheese, they really started to think deeply about sustainability, both in terms of the manufacturing process, but also just in terms of more broadly um, access and sort of, under, you know, how do we get our products in underserved communities? And, uh, you know, because they felt very strongly the nutritional value that they were bringing was important and, and things along those lines. And so they use sustainability as a way to sort of rethink how they did distribution and did all these experiments in terms of working in local communities in Africa and other places to really um, to try out different business models and see what mm -hmm. worked. And then really sort of landed on some different sort of unique ways in. And part of it was changing, you know, at the most basic level, the portion size that they were selling to make it more affordable. Um, and, you know, because there isn't refrigeration, selling a huge block of cheese in Africa doesn't make sense, but selling, mm -hmm. you know, selling it more sort of in smaller portions does. Um, and so it's opened up a whole new business opportunity for them. So I think we see, Lots, we're starting to see more and more examples across the network where there, our members are using sustainability as a lens uh, to sort of think about um, business problems that they're facing or challenges that they're facing and how do we sort of reframe it, relook at it in a different way and one that's not just going to benefit our business, but benefit society. Um, and then ultimately everyone wins and um, we have... Uh, you know, and, and I think with, in Bell's case, a potential new revenue stream that will add, you know, to our bottom line in the end as well, which is really, I think that piece is that we, we also, I think as a business network are very focused on the fact that we understand um, that profit and, you know, uh, you know, driving revenues need to be at the center of the conversation. And it's not something we shy away from. We think that, um, it's important and a lot of the analysis that's done in terms of the SDGs themselves at the highest levels, it shows that basically achieving the SDGs, um, if you were able to achieve all of them and, and really sort of do it more from the private sector, it's potentially a $12 trillion business opportunity. Uh. So there's money to be made in this process. So it's not just all about sort of do good CSR stuff. It's actually, it's really about sort of building a bitter, a bigger, better business for the long term yeah and the the, the knock-on effect there is then the positive impact it has on local and international societies as well because it's not just about the benefits to um, the business that's where perhaps the business families can have much more direct impact is what they do as a business and and what that means for them but the knock-on impact of that is that there's an, a, a positive impact in the local community in the global community and i guess the aim from a un perspective is to try and get as many of businesses in the world to try and adopt this approach and guess what everyone comes out better off it's not something where there's going to be uh, half the population lose as a result of the other half adopting a particular way of of operating so i think it's a, a really important thing to to be discussing today and one of the things you uh, mentioned is is the need to look at perhaps adapting and changing business models and we've obviously been through and, and in parts of the world still very much going through 
the uh, COVID pandemic and the impact that that's having. And there'll be business owners that will be listening, thinking, well, I need to adapt my business model to to take care of what a what we've just been through, but also what we're emerging into. And I think uh, I, I don't want to speak for you or for, for FBM, but I think the message is if you're going to be rethinking it, why not rethink it through the lens of sustainability anyway? Because there's going to be a positive outcome for that. And actually, it might then differentiate you from some of your competitors who might have to take longer to adapt and to change. And you can steal a march on them a little bit because um, you've got the nimbleness of being family owned rather than having to go through huge board and, and infrastructure um, challenges from, from that perspective. Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think and that's that's why the UN was interested in part, partnering with us. And to be honest, even for myself, why, you know, I shifted, I actually, you know, used to work more sort of in the, with, you know, big public companies and advising them on their sustainability strategies. Um, but the potential to achieve things with family business is so much greater and, and potentially can be done so much faster because it really, if the family decides that that's what they want to do as owners, they can basically decide that that's what we're going to do. Um, and so I think, and, and once again, we've, we've seen great examples of that happening. Um, and, and so it's, 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 it's such a huge opportunity. Um, and it's really, I think, you know, that's where family businesses need to start sort of shifting their thinking that the idea was always, well, if we sort of stay quiet and humble, in our corner and sort of, you know, do some nice things in the community and, and, uh, you know, give some money back, you know, will everyone will sort of leave us alone and we can kind of do our business however we want and everyone will be happy. I think what we're seeing more and more is, well, in terms of the family dynamics, you know, next gens may not, you know, sort of feel that same way that, you know, well, you know what, if we're not actually focused on doing something bigger and more positive, this may not be a business that I even want to inherit, um, you know, despite, you know, sure, I like the dividend checks, but, um, but I'd much rather, um, you know, be doing something with purpose and meaning. So I think that there's some internal drivers, but I think, you know, from externally, you know, we really, there's a big shift of there needs to, or there needs to be a big shift away from this, the thinking of, well, you know, I can make my money however I want, as long as I sort of give back, you know, in kind, everyone will just sort of look the other way. I mean, I think what we've seen recently here in the States with the Sackler family and the opioid crisis, I mean, they, you know, were huge philanthropists. They've built buildings and universities. They did all sorts of, you know, great work, but at the same time, you know, their core business was, um, you know, destroying parts of, you know, society in terms of, you know, drug addiction and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's all come back to them, haunt, to haunt them, both from a business mm. perspective, but also their names are being scraped off of university buildings and nobody wants to, you know, and nobody wants to have the Sackler Center at their school anymore. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a cautionary tale in terms of, you, it can't just be about um, um, sort of how you spend your money anymore. It has to really be about how you make your money. Mm-hmm. And that's really the big shift that, um, we're hoping to see more and more. And I think we are seeing more and more with family businesses to really think about um, it, that the business that we build and, and that the future we're sort of creating um, need to be sort of moving forward in tandem in a positive direction. Um, and that we can't sort of focus entirely on the bottom line um, and expect 
to, to just get a pass because, you know, we're doing some nice philanthropic things in the community and this world of social media and other areas, it just doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. And I think that also um, prompts the discussion to be um, across generations rather than necessarily being led by one generation or another. And I've had examples where I've spoken to family business leaders who are the senior generation and they are driving the um, sort of focus on sustainability. Others where the next generation are driving the focus. I don't think it's necessarily just a next gen issue. I think that possibly slightly more aware of the um, social um, side of and the social media side of um, what good looks like on, on that front. But given that we're talking about sustainability as being a long-term focus and a long-term aim, to me that would make sense for it to be a discussion that is held across generations as to what are we going to do for the long-term in order to aim to be more sustainable and using the um, sustainable development goals as a you know a proxy or a measurement to help um, define what those uh, businesses want to do because it's not a six-month decision or a we're going to do. We're going to be sustainable for the next two years and see how we get on. It, it's much more long term, which again lends itself to family businesses and the view they take and the values and um, sort of vision side of things that, that family businesses enjoy. Yeah, I know. I agree, and, and you're totally right that it it can come from anywhere within the, the the family business or the business family. I mean, sometimes it can even come from uh, you know a non-family member, uh, non-family CEO who actually brings his you know his or her passion to the table in terms of driving it. But but you're right. I mean, you know, in terms of the context of IFB. Um, you know, one of the cases that we've written up over the years is on the weights group. And that was certainly driven by the senior gen uh, really, you know, being interested in these topics for quite a while um, and really um, thinking, you know, and, and I think they're in a very competitive business in terms of the construction industry and um, um, did quite a bit of work in terms of thinking deeply about their supply chain. And I think what was interesting about the work that they've done over the years, that it wasn't just, they recognized that it wasn't just sustainability, wasn't just about their business. It was about their industry. And that if they really wanted to sort of change, they needed to actually shift the thinking in their industry and, you know, help build this um, supply chain sustainability school, which got conversations started across the industry um, and I think started shifting, you know, even, you know, some of the, the inputs to the construction industry as they started thinking a little bit more deeply about it. And, and now that sort of, you know, initial um, legacy that was started, you know, by people like Andrew Waits at the senior gen is now being carried on by Johnny Waits, at, you know, who was, you know, a next gen who's now more of a, no, a now gen sort of leading, um, leading that the way on their board in terms of those conversations. So, so you're right. I mean, it's definitely a multi-generational thing. And it's one that um, I think there's such great perspectives that everyone brings to the table in terms of both life experience, um, but also their sort of unique take on things that, that really help, I think, all family businesses shape their own unique approach to sustainability. Because I think that's at the end of the day, what it's all about. There is no cookie cutter solution here. It's really about sort of what makes sense for you, both in terms of a business and a, uh, a and a family, but even ultimately, you know, as an industry, like where do you focus on what's what's going to be what really is material to you if you're 
you know, a, a huge service-based industry, then probably you're not going to be that focused on um, water usage or waste. But uh-huh. um, but there's a lot of other areas, you know, where you can make a difference. So that, I think that's also the other thing. Back to our earlier conversation about where to get started, I think part of the key thing is identifying well where are the where are the big areas that we are have a big footprint where we could actually really make a difference if we did something is one way to think about it. But also, you know, we also encourage people like, what's the quick win? Like, how do how do we just get started and actually show people that this isn't hard? And so maybe if it maybe if you are a service industry and it's more about, um, you know, you start putting water saving taps in all of the restrooms, um, mm-hmm. but it's a visible sign to everyone that we're doing something. Hey, nothing wrong with that either. It's great too. So yeah um whatever i think whatever it takes to get you started uh, agreed and uh, again i think we touched earlier on the opportunities and and you mentioned there about the opportunity to shape and have such a positive impact on not just your business but your entire industry and and what a fantastic thing to to be able to say that happened during my tenure or my lifetime during the, the family businesses we actually created a positive shift in our entire industry um, because that's, I mean, it's not beyond businesses to be, be able to do that. Somebody's got to do that. That That's yeah. always been the case that somebody has, has where well, there's been a, a monumental shift. Somebody has been brave and bold enough to go, actually, we're going to change this and this is how we're going to do it. And um, it's a fantastic opportunity to create that legacy for you and your family. But in addition to having the positive impact on um, the potential, the, the entire industry and the, the communities around that. What you mentioned there about picking the easy wins, it's a bit like I'm, I'm currently following an exercise regime to try and lose uh, some lockdown weight. And the, the more you, like, you see some progress by doing some little bits and, and changing diet and exercising more, you, you tend to see the results. And it provides you that motivation to strive on to do other things. And I'm not saying it's as easy as picking up an exercise regime and losing some weight, but the, the concept is there, isn't it? We're around taking the, the quick wins and seeing progress and seeing actually we're doing more towards this than we thought possible. And it's not as difficult as perhaps um, it seemed at, at the outset is a good way to um, kind of open yourself up to the possibilities that adopting the, uh, sustainability pledge and the the goals uh, can provide you with definitely, and I, I think that that's um, you know in my experience, both working with family business and and also you know more traditional companies, it's um, it, it really it's so important to just show progress and show people that um, the change is possible, obviously, and that um, that there's sort of different ways to get started, and that um, but also make sure that it's something that's tangible for you know, for everyone in the business to get involved in, because if it stays at this sort of theoretical board conversation level, or one that's just about sort of, um, you know, capital investments or whatever, it's hard to create the culture shift that I think ultimately is necessary to really start, um, you know, driving change and and getting the unique conversations happening. Because I think that that's one of the things too, like once you actually get people, force people, out of their comfort zone a little bit and get them thinking a little bit differently. We've seen examples too of just um, innovation sort of springing up within the company coming more from the employees themselves because they get excited about it. And they're like, well, 
have you thought about this or have you thought about that? So, um, and then it's, and then really change, I think, starts to, to speed up and becomes exponentially faster because it's not just about <clears throat> the manager saying, you know, um, you know, do this or do that, or make sure you turn the lights off when you leave, that it's more of the, um, <clears throat> you know, the employees being like, well, instead of telling me to turn the lights off, why don't we put motion sensors on in all the rooms and, and then it'll just happen. Um, and so whatever, whatever the example might be, but I think it's, it's really about, um, understanding that it's a, it's about a mind shift and even a culture shift. Um, and that once it starts happening, it can really sort of, I think, lead to all sorts of interesting conversations and opportunities for your business. Yeah. And the, the culture shift um, internally is, is a vital element of, of this being successful and working, but also another area where there's a cultural shift is outside in sort of consumer land where consumers mm-hmm. are having that shift towards buying products and services from companies who can demonstrate that they're having a, a positive impact on the environment or they're having a positive impact from an ESG perspective. Um, investors are looking more towards ESG criteria when they're looking at investing. And so if it is a conversation that's happening around the just the boardroom and that's where it's staying and nothing's changing, consumer behavior will then dictate that that business won't do as well as some of the competitors who have adopted this and taken this um, in their stride more. And so at that point, you're probably a bit too far behind the curve to catch up to your competitors. And so it really is in uh, the business best interest as well to um, look at how this can be implemented, not just have it as an agenda item and say, great, let's discuss that again next month or next quarter you know i've been doing this for quite a while and you know there's obviously always been the question of well do, do will will consumers really reward companies that focus on this and and i think increasingly um uh, more and more the answer to that question is yes and i think that there's there's countless examples out there but and i think that that's there's lots of drivers behind that but i think once again it's also is because of um you know the the rise of social media and and the need for um, folks to be more transparent and and the fact that um, people can dig in a lot easier and understand what's really happening than they could in the past um, and those stories spread around faster than ever before and and so I think there's plenty of evidence of that but I think the other thing is in one area where family businesses I think are like well maybe this doesn't impact us that much is because they're there may be more of in a b2b space. And they're like, well, you know, uh, you know, sure, consumers may care, but you know, that's 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 more tied to you know whoever my you know my who I'm supplying, whoever their end customer is. Let them figure that out. That's not mm-hmm. my problem. But I think, um, you know, once again, I think that those companies are starting to ask more and more, you know, in terms of on the B two B side, in terms of uh, product sourcing and, and everything else, um, supply chain. Uh, questions that there it's just being asked more and more and it's now a criteria and you know and certainly you know here in the states we see it a lot in terms of um diversity inclusion issues being brought up and that actually is can be a determinant about whether you win a contract or not i mean Uh it's it's really sort of getting uh down to um driving sort of hard you know sort of being the 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 final i guess um if all things other are being equal between you and a competitor or it's close and maybe, you know, they're even a little bit more expensive, but they've shown themselves to be a much more sustainable, socially responsible company. Um, they may win out. Um, and, and more often these days, I think they're likely to win out. So, um, 
and and then that's where you start sort of getting this i think cycle where a lot of these companies start working together and and sort of building on success together so i think that's the other thing for everyone to just sort of think a little bit more deeply about is just because you're maybe more focused in the b2b space doesn't mean that this this isn't um uh, going to quickly become an issue for you it, it already has even if maybe you haven't um had been sort of been maybe it hasn't been framed directly to you in that way but you know, and then beyond that, it's um, there's the the policy um, piece is quickly starting to catch up. I mean, for a lot of publicly traded companies, stock exchanges have started demanding uh, transparency around ESG issues. But um, right now, the EU is currently considering a law um, that's going to require um, every um, every business operating within the EU that has more than 250 employees to mandatorily report on uh, ESG mm. and it's no longer, you know, so it's, there's no longer going to be any sort of hiding the shadows. And, and until recently, the number they, the cutoff was going to be 500 employees. And I've heard recently wow. they've dropped down to 250. Wow. So that's a huge swath of companies in Europe. And so if, you know, if you're doing business with companies in Europe, they're going to start asking the same questions of you. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, and th that, if that law passes, there's talk of right now, the timeline is that companies will first start have to start gathering data as soon as 2023 and report publicly in 2024. So it's not some like 10 year down the road yeah. thing. It's coming and it's coming fast. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think it's interesting. So it's happening on all sorts of levels now where you've got, you know, you've got consumers pushing it, you've got other businesses pushing it on you. And then of course you've got, um, you know, governments um, pushing it on you as well. So the question is, do you want to sort of set the stage and control the narrative and decide how you want to do it? Or do you want to sort of sit back and wait and eventually someone's going to tell you you have to do it and you may not have as many choices in terms of how you approach it. So that's why we're really pushing and encouraging all family businesses to just start taking a look at it, find out how, to, you know, where you can get started and, and how um you know how you might begin your journey because um it may be optional now but within a few years time it may no longer be so i think with all family businesses they want to be in control of their own destiny so if that's the case then um the time to act is now because if you don't if you don't do it someone's uh, going to do it for you yeah absolutely and with that in mind where's the best place for people to to head as that starting point for reading more about the work that you've been doing with the um, partnership with, with UNCTAD and the resources that we've mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah, so they, we have a specific joint uh, website uh, for the partnership with UNCTAD, um, and uh, that's uh, FBSD, so Family Business for Sustainable Development, uh, so it's fbsd.unctad, U-N-C-T-A-D.org. And that has the pledge on it, the indicators and some resources. Um, but you can also always go to the FBNI website, which is fbn-i.org. Um, and there's a thought leadership section that has all the publications um, on it as well that are free to download uh, for anyone, not just FBN members. Fantastic. And... Um, as I said, we will provide links to those in the show notes. Um, so if you head over to 
the show notes for this episode. All the links will be on there. Um, and uh, all that's left for me to say now is, Andrew, thank you very much indeed for your time and for a really interesting conversation on um, a, a fantastic topic. And uh, I'm sure our audience will take an awful lot away from uh, our conversations today. So thank you very much for coming on the show. No, thank you, Russ. It's been great being here and I appreciate um, the time and, and look forward to hearing stories um, and being inspired um, from those that have hopefully been listening in. So, you know, please, uh, we're always looking for more great stories out there. So please feel free to reach out and share your story with me, you know, no matter where you are on the journey, because I think that um, it's um, the most important thing, as I said earlier, is just to, to, to get started. And then, um, and you know, for all of us to, to share the insights and successes a lot that are gained along the way. Yeah, fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Um, and uh, on that note, we will uh, bid farewell for now and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.